Sometimes you just need an empathetic ear to help you sort out the issues that are happening in your own life. Perhaps a forum of others just like you and guest experts who are helping them and can help you. This is that place. Welcome to Life Happens. Let's talk. Your host is Trina Wines. Fill your cup of coffee this morning and have a seat. What you're going to hear in the next hour is going to be amazing. Now, here is Trina Wines. Good morning and welcome to Life Happens Let's Talk. I am your host, Trina Wines. Today we're going to have a special show because I am going to give a little insight of my life. Today my husband is going to be joining me as this week's guest, uh, Ken Wines. And as you know, I usually interview people who have suffered, struggled, or endured some pretty tough life situations. Well, today is no different as my husband has had a tragic childhood event that completely disrupted his life at a very early age, and it it also impacted him until his early adulthood. The show often refers to or relates to resilience, so that is mostly what today's show is about, but we're going to focus on the importance of meaningful relationships and how they play an essential role in dealing with stressful events and life situations. Most of my guests who come on, they share their stories, and uh, they often don't feel they really have anything important to say or interesting to share. And, of course, for those who have been listening to my show know how very untrue that is. And uh, my husband also feels the same way, but, again, I'm sure my listeners will all agree with me that it is very much um, related to resilience, and uh, it is also um, most definitely going to be very interesting when you hear what he has to say about what happened to him. Now, it's going to be odd uh, interviewing my own husband as uh, he's, when we were talking about this and, and discussing the show, and of course me trying to convince him to come on the show, he thought that uh, the biggest challenge was for me not uh, completing his sentence, which I have to say, I am very often guilty of doing that. And uh, we were joking around and he had said that he uh, thought that maybe it would be helpful if I had a shock collar on every time I, I tried to do that. So, But uh, we have lots of fun and uh, although the, you know, the nature of the show and then what we're going to discuss is going to be serious, um, you know, we're more than likely going to be probably bantering as we often do, uh, you know, sitting across the dinner table or when we're out in our travels enjoying each other's company. So I want to introduce my husband, Ken Wines. Hi, Ken. Hi, Karina. How are you? Doing? Hi. So, um, you know, when we were talking about the show, and, uh, of course, I know your story. Um, you know, I knew it since, you know, we were dating, and uh, we have been married for ten, over 10 years now. And uh, so when, when we first were dating and we were just kind of getting to know each other and uh, you were telling me your story about uh, your upbringing and, and what happened to you, it was, yeah, I have to say I was really taken back and shocked by that. But, um, you know, now, of course, being married to you and living in that, uh, living together and, and knowing each other very well, it is very, you know, I can see parts of uh, you where you could see, you know, certain things of how, you know, your, certainly your background, your history has affected you. So 
Why don't we start from start from your story? Why don't you let my listeners know of uh, you know what happened to you at the age of three? Okay. Well, and you'll just um, fill in when you feel the need to. <laughs> I'm sure. I'll try not to. <laughs> I'll, I'll try and let you just flow yeah. and go without. If, uh, if I'm running into a commercial, just cut me off. I'm, um, yeah, okay, I can give you a bit of my story. And yes, um, I do think it's nothing exceptional, I guess, because it was my life, and as you live it, it's just what you deal with. So um, I guess it's only when people hear my story that I see the look on their face and some of their reactions that I think, well, I guess it was a little different. But um, when I was three, which was 1970, so you can put together how old I am there, um, my brother and I, had, a, who was four years older than me, had a pretty significant impact in our lives when my father uh, murdered our mother. I don't um, have a lot of memories from the zero to three age, so I, I'm going to assume there was domestic violence and there was um, you know, some not good times in the home up to that point, but um, being the age I was and maybe as a defense mechanism, I don't have any memories. Of that time. Uh, my father, of course, went to prison um, for a life sentence. So then there were these two young boys. Um, what do we do with them? So my maternal grandparents, who lived very close in the neighborhood in the same city, uh, went to court to get custody of us. I understand that some of my, my father's um, family members, his, he had siblings, that they also... Um, sought custody of us. In the end, my grandparents uh, were awarded custody and we went to live with them. So that's my maternal grandparents. I only had, my mother was an only child, so the, the downsides, I mean, they were kind, good people and they raised us the best they could um, for as long as they were still alive, which we'll get to, but the downsides were they were elderly, so um, we had another Another impactful moment coming up pretty quick. And then I lost, and my brother lost, essentially our, our entire uh, family network. Like we lost one half of, which had most of the people on it, one half of our uh, relations. And suddenly our world became very small. It became my grandparents and uh, a few very elderly relatives of theirs and uh, one cousin who we'll get to. So uh, I think life was pretty good. I, again, my grandparents were good to us. Um, being the age that they were at, though, unfortunately, my grandmother passed away when I was 10, and then my grandfather when I was 12. So we now have a 12-year-old and a 16-year-old that are left on their own. So uh, my, my grandfather, as he knew he was, he was um, going to be passing away quite soon, he, he was ill, he had cancer, he... He uh, appointed my one cousin, who was actually my mother's first cousin, who was Brian Walton, who was on one of your earlier shows, um, as, our, as our legal guardian and to look after um, the estate and, you know, what was, what was left. To, it was essentially my brother and I, what did they do with us? Uh, where do we live? Who's going to care for us? And, and to clean up the affairs. So my brother, unfortunately, being 16, was kind of too old for any kind of a care system at that time. We're talking the mid-70s. There wasn't a lot of programming. There wasn't any programming for um, 
you know, government-wise for, for somebody of that age, he ended up quitting school and going to work full-time and had his own, you know, struggles doing that as a 16-year-old. I went into the foster care system primarily because I did have the option. My, my cousin, God bless him, was willing and his wife, um, young family starting out, they were willing to have me live with them. Uh, it was an option. He unfortunately lived in another city. My world was pretty much gone, everything that was familiar to me. So I wanted to stay in my, in my community. My friends were important to me, the neighborhood. That's kind of all I had. So, so I was found, um, they found a foster home through, through the social service network. And I was placed there, and so I would have been, I had just turned uh, 12. So I was there for about a year, and without, you know, getting into any, any judgments on them or anything, it wasn't a good fit for me. It wasn't a good, I didn't feel welcome, I didn't feel like it was a family, I didn't feel they received me well, um, I was not happy, I had thoughts of running away, I was depressed, I didn't know quite what I was going to do. Again, so, the only, the so only stronghold I, just, I had was my friends. So the, the thing that I just, um, I think that what I feel is that you, you passed by too quickly in regards to the loss of your grandfather because I know um, just how much that affected you in regards to those losses. So first it was, you know, your grandmother, uh, yeah. you, you know, who was essentially your mother and who was, you know, your caretaker. And then... Um, for, you know, just can you talk about that period of uh, when your grandfather was looking after a single man, older man, looking after two boys, and, um, and sort of what, like, that was for you um, going to school, um, you know, uh, because it is sort of a strange family situation. Can you just, just sort of um, touch on that a little bit? Uh, sure. Yeah, well, and it would go back to when, we went to my grand, both grandparents were still alive. I mean, it was um, in 1970, well, I guess I started school in 1972. It, it wasn't as common to have um, not the traditional nuclear family. All of my friends had a mother and a father, and it was, you know, um, how, how it was on TV. <laughs> that was the family, and I wasn't that. So you're constantly aware that you're different. Uh, I grew to hate as you know, <laughs> Christmas, I didn't like um, any, any kind of celebrate. Mother's Day and Father's Day were probably the worst two days. And part of that was with no intention, but I don't think the awareness was there, you know, when you're in school and the craft activity is to make a Mother's Day card and you don't have a mother. You don't know how to, how to accept that. So you just kind of... Um, I guess I guess my defense mechanism was always humor, as you know, Trina. Yeah, I'm kind of yeah. a wise ass, and I like to make light of things. Um, I also quite shy away from uh, the focal point because attention for me was always around why I'm different, or not why I'm different, but why my situation was different. So I've never really liked the spotlight. Um, so. Yeah, and I mean, again, they did the best they, they could with what they had. They were 70-year-old people that's life was suddenly changed. They lost their daughter. Um, they took in their grandchildren. Um, 
again, an unfortunate side effect was, while my father wasn't somebody that even as an adult until he passed away I ever wanted to meet, and I didn't, um, his whole family didn't murder my mother, and it would have been nice to have had a relationship and to have maybe got to know them, but again, my world shrunk so so dramatically in that moment. It wasn't just that I lost my mother. I lost my mother, my father, all of his family members, and... Um, and because we were such a small, like my maternal side was such a small family, everyone seemed to have one, one kid. So um, it was my mother's first cousin, Brian, who is 14 years older than me and um, kind of looked after us. And then throughout my life has become a friend more than anything. And his family have been everything to me. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, when my grandfather passed away, um, that was it. That was That was all the world that I knew. So... Um, I, I know you're probably up on a commercial pretty quick. I'll, I can tell you a quick story of just where my, my mindset was at, which I think I've told well, you before. Well, you know what? How about we pick that up on break? Because I also want to talk to you about when your grandmother did die and what it was like at that funeral, and then the same with your grandfather, because I think those are very important as well. So what we're going to do is we're going to go to break, and uh, listeners, we'll be right back uh, with my husband. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com We all have unique experiences and outlooks when it comes to leadership and team building. Yet sometimes we clash, even when trying to achieve the exact same goals. Check out Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks. How to get it just right. Your host is Dr. Cass Henry. A shared journey equals success. And every human interaction has the power to achieve this success by working together. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. How is your relationship with your partner? Could you be closer and more connected? Though many stressors that impact couples may be unavoidable, being able to navigate whatever comes your way can make all the difference in the level of happiness in your partnership. To stay close and connected to your partner, you'll want to check out Coupled Up with hosts Karen Collins Achetti and Max Achetti. Broadcasting live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions, some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. This is Life Happens. Let's talk. Would you like to join in to today's conversation? We invite you to call in to share your story, ask a question, or add a comment. Please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email to Trina, her email address is trina at trinawines.ca. 
Now, back to Life Happens. Let's talk. Well, welcome back to Life Happens, Let's Talk. My name is Trina Wines, and our guest today, as a special guest, is my husband, Ken Wines. And so when we had uh, um, introduced the show, we had talked about the importance of resilience and meaningful relationships, and my husband is here to talk about his story. And when we left before break, uh, he was. We were talking about the loss of his uh, grandparents. So, Ken, if you want to, I know you were just going to tell the story there um, about uh, your grandparents, their passing. But um, I think what is important is the um, story about when your grandfather had passed. So, when, um, of course, he was now your your primary caregiver, your only caregiver. Um, elderly man who was um, dying of cancer, and um, and I'd like you to sort of touch a bit on the on the funeral. Okay. Well, uh, so again, my parents were both well, one murdered and one gone for life, essentially at um, the age of three. My grandmother passed away, so that's kind of for me. That was another. My next mother passed away at the age of ten, and then my grandfather passed away two years later. Um, yeah, uh, one hard memory that I have that um, isn't really pleasant was my grandfather. Again, everyone in his, all of his siblings, which there was uh, four of them, they were elderly as well. I remember them coming to the house um, at the time of when he was not well and we knew he, he wasn't going to be around long. It didn't really click into me that he wasn't because I was still clinging to the thought that I'd still have this kind of safe zone that was my my world. Um, I guess I knew uh, intellectually, but I didn't know emotionally what was going on. I, could, I didn't couldn't deal with it that way. But I remember when he passed away, um, being at the house with his siblings, so again, elderly um, aunts and uncles, I guess, and being told point blank by one of them that my brother and I, because of um, the strain we put on him and the stress, um, killed him. That we were, we basically took their brother away and how dare we. And So again, I'm, at this time I'm 11 years old and my brother is 15. He was just turning 16 because it was, it was in the spring of 79. So that's pretty tough to take when you're, when you're 12 and you're you're kind of being given the guilt, and it wasn't fair, and I know that now, and I knew that, you know, once I got a little older and processed it, but um, being told that after you've just lost everything was, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I think you can imagine how difficult it was. Mm-hmm. I remember um, I was going to tell the story, so, so again, my world um, had never been, you know, I'd had a period of kind of security, but it was kind of a false security because I was always made aware of the fact that I didn't have the normal, the parents like everyone else. And um, I always felt insecure and, um, you know, different. And I remember when it kind of clued in, um, again, intellectually, I knew that my world was blowing up and that it was going to be foster care or something. Something that I wasn't looking forward to was, was upon me. But emotionally, I didn't really, uh, I didn't, I didn't accept it, and I remember being um, in the foster home that I went to for a year, and uh, 
going back, the house that my grandparents had owned was up for sale. It might have even been sold, um, but because it was vacant for for a little while, and this was now getting into the summertime, it was incredibly unkept. It, I went by there because I kept going back for some reason thinking I could go back to that world. And I remember seeing the lawn. It, it was way too long. It was uneven. It looked awful. And I couldn't accept it. So uh, I went to my my buddy Brad's, and we we got his dad's lawnmower, and we went and um, gave the new owners a free... Uh, <laughs> free landscaping. I I had to. I couldn't stand seeing it that way. So, um, you know, I obviously knew I wasn't going back to it on a on a intellectual level, but I, it just bothered me to see it unkept, and it just kind of, I think, symbolized my world at that time. So, now, yeah. So, sorry. No, I was just yeah. I was just gonna say. I mean. Yeah. It would have been different. So you, because you lived in the same neighborhood then when you were in the in the foster home. Yeah, it was it was close enough that I could maintain the same school. That was my. I mean, if there was one thing I fought fiercely for as a kid, it was to stay in the same school. My friends really were my family. Like especially at that point, like I said, I had I had a brother um, who was who was kind of on his own, and we kept, we kept contact and um, stayed quite close, but he was off, he had forced into adulthood at 16. So, so for me, yeah. And I mean, you know, Trina, these, those friends are, uh, mm-hmm. I'm still in contact with them regularly. Like it's, they really became my, uh, my family. So. Yeah, no, they're still, yeah, they're still your friends now, and I mean, they're still uh, very much part yeah. of your life or our lives, and, and uh, I mean, and that's the thing is that with um, the the show, because we were, you know, in regards to resilience, but also like how it, you know, relationships uh, tie into that, and, and so, yeah. you know, you've had, um, you know, them at least consistently throughout your life. I mean, your brother... You had your brother, but, I mean, he was under lots of stress in regards to trying to make a living and survive out there at 16 years old, so working yeah. and finding his own place to live and all that kind of stuff. And with so, a young father. <laughs> I mean... Right, yeah. yeah. We only have an hour, so I'll, I'll, stick to, <laughs> I'll stick to my route, but my brother's was uh, possibly even more difficult than mine because of the age he was at. He was thrust on his own, and, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, do you want me to go forward and... Uh, yeah, talk about the well. Talk about the, um, the foster home. Like, I mean, I know that you had been, and, we, and it's important that we talk about the because we both work in um, mm-hmm. child welfare. Like, we've, we've, I mean, you have for 25 years. You know, I have for you know, I guess 17 or 18 years, and uh, you know, we we know the importance of good foster homes and and so I don't know if you're comfortable or not but t- talking about or even just even touching on uh, one particular foster home for sure that uh, you know was not certainly wasn't nurturing but in fact um, really quite the, the treatment that you received from you know that foster mother and how that I guess well I mean how yeah. it led you to another you know another place to live so go ahead yeah well again I mean I'm sure that they meant well. Like we know that you don't you don't get rich fostering. Um, if anything, it's 
grossly underpaid, I think. And it's, you know, one of the most valuable services you can do. Looking after someone else's children or children that aren't your own and uh, giving them a, a good family life is, uh, I don't know what's more important than that. So I don't want to, um, you know, put down their efforts. I, I just think they weren't, for whatever reason, um, I don't know, maybe prepared to, they had fostered before, um, but yeah, I, I guess just to make a long story short, it didn't work out. I never felt um, warmth or welcome. Uh, I remember again, so now I'm 12 years old, and I remember the foster mother telling me point blank to F off, and I don't know what I had done, and uh, and it, it just, it just I, I'd never been spoken to like that, like it by my grandparents, obviously. And I mean, it it took me back, and I didn't. Um, it just kind of solidified in my head, and and maybe some of it to my, well, not blaming a twelve-year-old, I guess, but I mean, I just I didn't I didn't ever feel comfortable in that house. I didn't ever feel welcome. Um, their natural kids treated me well. They were nice to me, but I never I never felt like it was my family. I never felt. Um, Accepted, I guess would be the way to put it. So and I, well, um, and I, I would say that's putting it very nicely. You know, I, I know. But and I mean, <laughs> and I and I get that. It's a, you know, it's an international radio show. You don't want to, <laughs> don't want to. You know, you don't want to be disrespect, you know, disrespectful, and that's not your nature anyway. But uh, yeah. Well, so. and again, Trina, at the end of the day, they 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 took me in, and I don't want to minimize maybe the intent. Mm-hmm. The end result. The end result certainly wasn't. Um, wasn't necessarily good for me, unless you look at it the, the way it all worked out. So um, right, exactly, right. again, my my so, constant one, my one rock in my life was always um, my cousin Brian and his and Victoria, his wife, and um, uh, they were always there for me. That was always an option. So um, I'm I'm not professing that I was um, 12 years old and didn't have. Um, an option. Again, they lived in another city, and my friends were were my my grounding and um, just just to stay in the community, like to give me some constant as well. My brother was still in in the same city, so I wanted to be near him. So, um, well, it's kind of a it's kind of a funny story, but essentially, a family moved um, to Sask or to Regina from Ontario. And they had a son in my grade. So a new kid came to school, uh, Larry, and we became friends. And Larry and I were hanging out one day, and I was going because I had an appointment to go to one of the mental health counseling agencies um, that was set up for me to find out kind of what was wrong with me, why I didn't want to be in this foster home, why it wasn't working out. And um, and also, too, you had uh, consumed at that time uh, you ended up in the hospital. Cause yeah, no, that actually came a little after. But, oh, sorry. Okay, uh, go ahead. After, after, the, after this meeting. Um, okay, okay. So, so Larry and I, um, he came with me because we were going to hang out, and he said, oh, well, well, what are we doing anyway? And I said, well, I, I explained it to him, and he goes, oh, well, my parents were thinking of taking taking in a foster kid. I said, wow. <laughs> uh, I got an offer. <laughs> so... Um, the kind of joke is I went for a sleepover and never left. So Larry had two younger sisters, and uh, 
his parents, and they had just moved here, and his dad was a hardworking entrepreneur who was starting out his own business and was on the road a lot. And, um, yeah, I, I felt connected to that family. We got to be friends, and, I mean, I didn't think this was actually going to happen. It's kind of a kid pipe dream that I'm going to pick my own family. And uh, I told my cousin, Brian, about it, and he connected with them. And, again, without dragging this out forever, I moved in and never left. And uh, that was that was the single uh, most important thing that happened in my life. Okay. Well, well we're going to uh, break there, and uh, we're going to, yeah, talk about how that uh, was... Uh, you know, really quite significant, a significant move for you. Okay, so we'll be right back on uh, Life Happens, Let's Talk. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Should there be more to your life? Do you need a change? Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young will provide empowering commentary each week to encourage you. She will interview successful personalities from movies, television, business, technology, health, and academia. All of them have amazing stories resulting in transformed lives. You'll learn how to discover real happiness, financial success, and fulfillment to live your highest purpose. Join her on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and a replay Fridays at 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Women's Channel. We hear just be you a lot these days, but who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show, hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Life Happens, Let's Talk. Would you like to join in to today's conversation? We invite you to call in to share your story, ask a question, or add a comment. Please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email to Trina, her email address is trina at trinawines.ca. Now, back to Life Happens, Let's Talk. Welcome back to Life Happens, Let's Talk. My name is Trina Wines, and we are here today with my guest and my husband, Ken Wines. And uh, we're talking about Ken's childhood and how a tragic life event and situation happened where he was uh, pretty much orphaned at the age of three and um, talking about how that impacted his life and the different moves that he had to make in his life and the losses, but also to some of the lessons and silver linings. So, Ken, when we uh, left from 
uh, break, you were talking about how you got, moved in to one of your friend's homes, and uh, or at least uh, he was going to bring it forward to his family in regards to bringing you, I guess, bringing you home, like kind of like that that lost puppy, and uh, yep. seeing, yeah, seeing if uh, they would open their home to you and uh, for you to live there. So if you want to continue on with that. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we kind of brought it forward to them, but like I said, we kind of just moved me in <laughs> oh. and went with it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, you've met them, of course, Trina. Uh, they're an amazing family. And, um, you know, in the, in the line of work we do, um, for, for I, I made an analogy um, when we were talking about this show uh, the other day when you told me I was going to be on. <laughs> that we... Uh, <laughs> I would equate a 12-year-old um, looking for a home to um, going to the pound and everybody wants a puppy, but nobody wants the old dog, right? Unfortunately, in in the world of foster care, at 12, 13, you're kind of that old dog. And um, having worked in that area for as long as we both have, I don't have a whole lot of stories where somebody went into a foster home at... 12 and stayed there till they were an adult and to this day it's my family so you use the word tragic I mean I've had unfortunate things happen to me that were out of my control in my life but uh, you know for every tragedy there's been there's been um, a positive and uh, someone or some um in this case, family there to, I don't know if save me is the right word, but essentially to to make me who I am today. So, um, yeah, like it started with my grandparents who kind of came in and while there was some obvious setbacks due to their age that I was again on my own a few years later, um, they played an important role in giving me some stability. Um, my My cousin who was always there and was always offering support um, to the extent of offering to care for me, if that's what it came to, has always been there. And then um, um, the Martin family, um, like to this day, it's, and I think they feel this way, I'm pretty sure they do, that it's it's not, I'm not any different than, like, they're my sisters, it's my brother, and there's another brother, which, again, I don't know how long of a show we got here, but they had given up for adoption their first child um, due to circumstances and have reconnected with him. So, in a way, I think I kind of helped fill that void um, for the family, and now that he's back um, connected and we're all just kind of one one big happy unit, and I, I can't imagine that being a foster kid, being in the situation I was in, I could have done any better. And, um, yeah, if, if there's a message I could give, it would be for people do, who are doing fostering. Like, uh, you know, we have emergency foster homes. We have placements that we need um, support for kids right away. But they're too often short-term. And, and all the disruption, like, if I would have only been there for a year and if for some reason they would have moved on from fostering, and I would have had to go to another home. I like it; just wouldn't have. I wouldn't have a sense of a family. Like that was my. That was the time that I kind of felt I had a family, and 
Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I guess. I, sorry. Yes. No. And and that and that's you're you're right. Like you have, um, you know, like when we work with uh, kids, you know, that have in foster home, uh, you know, most often they don't feel like they they've often um, verbalized that. You know, I don't feel like they're my family. I don't feel like mm-hmm. I'm a family member. And, I mean, that's really a, a tough situation because, you know, as a kid, I mean, the biggest thing is having a sense of belonging and, of course, Absolutely. identity. and Well, love and belonging and yes. identity. And uh, so although, like, you were still, you know, an outsider, at the very least, um, you know, they were very welcoming and, and they were very loving and nurturing and supportive. And one of the things I do also want to touch on is that when you went, um, so when you were in that one foster home where, you know, you weren't treated, you know, very nicely, is that, um, you know, you were, uh, of course, you know, I guess seen as acting out because you had uh, drank, what was that that you drank? <laughs> Lemon gin. Yes, lemon gin. And, you know, a whole bottle or whatever it was at 12, 13 years old. You know, and it ended up being in the hospital where, you know, you get your stomach pumped or whatever. But then, too, like, what did they do? The first thing they do is, you know, they, you know, threw you, you know, back at your, you know, whatever, your therapist or mental health worker or whatever. And, uh, I mean, and with, you know, sometimes even with that foster mother there, and you couldn't be honest. You couldn't say what was bothering you and what was upsetting you. I mean, too, you have lots of losses. Now you're, you're placed in a home where you don't feel welcome. I mean, and that's the thing is that, of course, we, you know, luckily, we can recognize when kids act out that there's, you know, there's a reason for it, whereas maybe caregivers um, just see you as being bad, you know. Yeah. So, yep. I mean, that's... I mean, and of course, you probably, you know, and you had always said, you know, I, you know, I understand that probably I was fairly easy as a foster kid, you know, um, and, but yet that there was that one situation where, you know, you're pretty upset, but justifiably so, but um, sort of seen as, you know, acting out or whatever it was. But in yeah, any and that, event, that incident, that incident was shortly before I moved in um, to my second and my... Last time I'll call them foster family. I'll just call them my family. Um, yeah, and it, in the same same breath that I was kind of blamed and uh, um, looked down upon for it from the family I was leaving, um, the family that I moved into uh, with, my, with my friend's assistant, uh, who's now my brother, um, they they accepted me anyway. It was you know knowing I was coming with they, they probably were going what the heck, um, yeah, the heck of a way to introduce yourself. They ended up in the, getting your stomach pumped in the emergency room, but yeah. hey, that's the way it worked. And uh, um, yeah, I th- I think just just to to put the um, the spin on it of of why I'm Brazilian because some people. Say, oh, it's amazing how you turned out the way you, that you turned out. You know, productive, and you're um, have a good career, and every, you look you look so well adjusted. And and I do give all the credit. Well, uh, the majority of the credit to the to the people that were always there at the right time. And 
and again, I find I can say I had a tragic uh, childhood and early adulthood, or I can say I was very fortunate because at any any one of those things not there after the, after um, the age of three, and I don't know what it would have been like if this family hadn't taken me in and included me into their their world and make make me part of their family. I don't know what my life would have been. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, and the thing is, as well, is that, you know, when I first, you know, met you, um, you know, there was, it was funny, it's because we were, although we, we, we share a lot of similarities in regards to our personality traits, and, uh, but there was some things that, um, you know, certainly were, were opposite of, and, 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 because I know your story and because, of, you know, I'm a social worker and, and you're very, you know, good at uh, self-reflection is, uh, you know, I have an understanding of, you know, why, you know, there's those sort of those challenges in regards to, you know, the parts that were different. So where I really enjoy, um, and you know, risk-taking, uncertainty doesn't bother me, actually. Sometimes I even pursue it, whereas you tend to be um, drawn towards security and, and, and certainty, and, you, you know, you are, um, like, predictability and making the right choices and knowing what's coming ahead. Well, I'm, for me, for me, change yeah, so, was, always, was always accompanied with loss, right? Right, yeah. So I, I fear change because it's, I mean, it pushes me out of my comfort zone to um, go along with, with a lot of your hairbrand ideas. <laughs> <laughs> but but in like, the end, you always say, I want well, stability. Yeah, um, I, know. <laughs> I know. I like to shake up your world a little bit. Yeah, you, oh. you do that. Yeah, I know. And you tend to always say, well, you're going to do what you're going to do, and I'll support mm-hmm. whatever that is. <laughs> Which is so, I'll just I'll, I'll give a one-minute synopsis of the rest of my life from that point then. Okay. Um, <laughs> just, just, just if anyone is, has been listening this long, they might want to know how I got to today. So I moved out um, um, at the age of 18 of the foster. I, again, stayed connected, and they're still, they're still my family, and they were always there, um, but moved out on my own. Uh, struggled uh, a little bit to get through university because I worked full-time. I worked full-time uh, from midnight till... 7 in the morning, or 11 at night until 7 in the morning, and then went to university all day. So there was a few days where I'd uh, spend a bit of sleeping time in class. Um, one, of my, one of my good friends, Sean, um, kind of <laughs> must have been sympathetic response. that he, put a, he had no reason to. He was living at home, but he did the same thing and worked at nights, and we were both sleeping in one class. It was kind of, kind of funny. I ended up getting... Um, getting on with the provincial government here in Saskatchewan doing social work in 1991, and that's where I remain. I've done a number of different um, jobs within, the, within social services, but it's primarily been working with children and youth. I feel I have something to offer, and I think I've, you know, contributed a little bit. Like, I think all of us in this profession are, are there to try and improve the lives of these young people that don't have... Um, Ability or consistency, and I can relate to that. So, yeah, um, certainly. So, certainly yeah, can. so 
So just so we have to head to break here, but uh, I do want to, when we come back, you, um, you know, pass on, I guess, your message, really. I mean, you international show, so you can, you know, pass whatever message that you feel is important. So listeners, we'll be right back with Life Happens. Let's talk. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration that opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time with award-winning authors Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the Empowerment Channel. Our nation's educational system is undergoing constant change as technology and society are redefining the system as we have known it. On Chalk Talk with Eric Hamilton, we provide parents with the resources they need to understand and become a part of the educational experience for their children. Through engaging guests, news, interactive discussions, and innovative ideas, it's everything that parents should know about school. Tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you ready to tackle the rules of business? You may think you're doing everything by the book, following your own best practice beliefs, bringing in endless consultants, only to find that your business is not moving forward. That's where you need to stop and figure out where things are going wrong. Enter Business Rules with host Peter Feinstein. Peter and his guests will break it all down for you to help you and your business succeed. Listen Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Life Happens, Let's Talk. Would you like to join in to today's conversation? We invite you to call in to share your story, ask a question, or add a comment. Please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email to Trina, her email address is trina at trinawines.ca. Now, back to Life Happens. Let's talk. Well, welcome back to Life Happens. Let's talk. You are here with Trina Wines, and we have our guest today, my husband, Ken Wines, and we're talking about resilience and meaningful relationships. And um, my husband is telling his own personal story of uh, what how the meaningful relationships in his life had helped him get to where he is today. So, Ken, when we had, uh, before we went to break, um, you had, you know, we were talking about, you know, the importance of you know, meaningful relationships and and consistency and, and sort of also, too, what even though you have come out, you know, well in the end and like people are saying you're well-adjusted <laughs> and you've done well and you, and you have. Like, I say that all the time, too. Like, I mean, it is, uh, I know, like sometimes I forget about your past and, and that's probably why I'm so hard on you <laughs> and I challenge you is, uh, you know, because you just, you know, you are very, very smart and articulate and, and you know, you make me laugh and, and of course, uh, you're a great asset 
to my life and, and certainly to, you know, the boys. But um, so because we, all, we have just a few minutes left before the, the show ends, um, you know, I do uh, want to talk about how, you know, in the end that you ended up with two degrees, two degrees, two degrees, living on your own, working at night, going to school during the day. Uh, you had you actually only two classes away from three degrees. You've had a you know a successful career, and uh, you know you have um, done very well with your clients when you were doing frontline. You know when you were first starting, and, and the reason being is is because of your background. So in um, in the last few minutes here, what what is you know maybe a message or something that you want to uh, want to put out there? Well, again, I would want to put out there the key. Um, for me, and I think um, I'm not alone in this, would be people can people can overcome trauma and people can overcome loss if they have the key supports. And I don't think a key support, I mean, a family taking me in and making me part of their own is an enormous support. I, I, I can't thank them enough and, um, you know, explain just how much that, that has meant to my life, it's really changed my life. But it it doesn't have to be that significant. It can be um, my cousin Brian, who was always there to offer support. It can be, you know, Trina. I remember teachers. I re- like I've had a lot of people that have offered me timely um, a, a pat on the back. Uh, you, you know, like it, it, in a community, you know, a small community that I was in. Um, there was other people that knew the circumstances or, that my brother and I were dealing with. Um, like I said, teachers, um, some coaches. Like there's been there's been people that have done uh, really kind gestures that may not seem like a lot, but that are a lot. And um, I'm I'm going to switch really quickly to a uh, professional example that I can give you. And um, you know this, Trina. I've told you. I worked with one young man who at 16. I mean. My story might sound really rough. At 16, a young man who had moved 46 times. So, I mean, talk, talk about attachment issues and, and lacking trusting and uh, being insecure in relationships. And this is now um, a young man uh, well into his mid-20s. And um, mine was a professional relationship. And so I, I don't profess that I was the most significant person in his life, but I remain in contact. He's still... Uh, reaches out to me to let me know what he's doing. Let me know not too long ago that he's he's going to be upgrading his schooling. And I think the message is is just like to have a positive impact in a young person's life. You, it doesn't have to be to the extreme, but um, certainly for fostering and for uh, caring situations, um, giving somebody permanency like uh, that's been the biggest impact in my life. Yeah. Um, all the other, all the other support and all the other help. I, I mean, you know, I, I kind of feel like I can't close off without speaking about you and the boys, Trina, because that's that was my first, that was my family, right? Right. Yeah. No. And 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 too, like even um, the house that we have, um, you know, together. Oh, you're gonna have to rip me out of there. Okay. <laughs> I know. I know. I keep talking about what we got to downside. <laughs> That'll be a fight. We need all the space. We need to. There's too much. 
And, uh, <laughs> and I, I mean, when you've never had roots and you finally have them, I'm telling you, it's going to take. <laughs> you're going to have to do it when I'm not home or something. Pack it up. I know, I know, I know. Or even uh, that only green knapsack that you had forever that I was trying to throw away. I mean, yeah, I hate getting rid of anything like that. Yeah, I know, I know, and you know, uh, and I understand that. And so, although you know, it does present its challenges, but um, I mean, I, I get it. And I mean, too, is that what I'm very fortunate about is that. I mean, not only, of course, I have a great husband, but also, too, that, you know, you are in the profession that you're in and in the profession I am, like, we certainly are a great support to each other. And, um, yeah, so so I want to thank you for being on. I know you were resistant there for, for a while, but... Um, I was worried I was worried we'd sound like George Costanza's parents yelling at each other here. <laughs> it worked out pretty good. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and I knew it would. I knew it would, and... Um, <laughs> So I want to uh, thank you for that, and I just, you know, one of the things that, um, and I only, I know we have about two minutes here before we're, we close off here, but there was one thing that really stood out for me, other than, of course, you were never a big fan of Christmas, and you, you told that from the day I met you, but, uh, and, and I get why, but, um, so I remember one time when you were really quite sick, and, and not man sick, not the man sick that we make fun of, but you were actually were sick, and you had a fever, and you had a cold, and all this kind of stuff. And I was, uh, you were laying in bed, and I was giving you um, a spoonful of uh, whatever, day quill or night quill or whatever it was. God, I don't remember this. So. I remember that. And after I did that, uh, you had, and I touched your head to see how hot you were, you said, uh, God, I never knew how good that really felt, was going to feel or something like that. And I was like, I don't know, what, do what do you mean by that? And you had said that you've, nobody has ever, you know, gave you medicine before. And that, like, just even that, like, you know, it blew, blew me away because it's those little things. So, um, anyway, I, again, I want to thank you, and uh, I guess I'll be seeing it in a little bit here. Um, so I'm fortunate that way. But, yes. So, okay, well, um, thank you for uh, listeners for joining in with us, and please tune in for our next show, and uh, please take care of each other and uh, understand that, you know, everybody out there is fighting some kind of a fight. So take care and uh, have a good week. Thank you for joining us this week for Life Happens, Let's Talk. Please join Trina Wines again next Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We've made this week just a bit easier. How about coming back next week? We'll see you right here.